What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. Indeed we do. Indeed we doodly-doo. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic, and everybody calls me Bibbs. Okay, Edwin. Hmm. Hey, that's a combo, and I got a wonderful voice. <laughs> and, and my name is Whitney Seibold, and I love to laugh. Long and loud and Long clear. Long and loud and clear. Uh, Edwin is a wonderful comedian. Yeah. Uh, it it took me many years to connect that Edwin is the father of Keenan Wynn. Uh, no! The, the, that, like... He that... Really? Keenan Wynn, he was in, uh, uh, like, The Absent-Minded Professor and The Love yeah. Bug, but he was also in, like, Doctor Strangelove. Uh, Keenan Wynn was in Love Bug 2, actually, where Herbie Rides Oh, that's again. right. He yeah. was the bad guy uh, in Herbie Rides Again, and he was just in everything for a while there. Yeah. Ed Wynn is his father. Wow. I thought, they like were, a, they, they, I thought they were the same age. Like, Keenan Wynn was playing older guys <laughs> in the 60s already. Um, pr- pr- pretty sure I have that right. Maybe, I'm sure maybe, you're maybe right. It's, wrong, but, it's um, blowing my mind. And uh, I also learned recently that um, I'm a big Spike Jones fan. Mm. I like Spike Jones records. The, uh, not not the not music the video guy, yeah, the uh, original comedy musician guy. Yeah, yeah. from uh, started in vaudeville. He did all these really kind of wild, funny uh, renditions of classical pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, look up Spike Jones. He did Cocktails for Two. Is probably his his best known piece. And uh, he hired a comedian to sort of go on the circuit with him. A guy named Doodles Weaver. And Doodles would come out and sort of do cute little one-liners. It's like, hey, Doodles, how are you feeling? Well, I got a week back. When'd you get a week back? About a week back. Uh, yeah. That level of humor. Yeah. Uh, Doodles Weaver is the uncle of Sigourney Weaver. No. <laughs> I had no idea. That's so that I, I was a big fan of this like old vaudeville comedian and had no idea that they, he was related to Sigourney mm. Weaver. I, uh, I, my mind was blown in kind of a mm. weird opposite way. Hmm. Uh, when I found out that John Philip Law, a really uh, fun actor from, uh, hmm. probably best known from... Um, Barbarella. Uh, Barbarella yeah. or... Um, D- Danger Dangerous Diabolic. Yeah. Uh, you know, very handsome leading man thin, actor. Thin, sexy dude. Yeah. Looked yeah. a lot like Jude Law, John hmm. Philip Law did. Unrelated. Just, uh, that, guys named Law just look like for that. Year, I think I even said on a podcast once, yes, and John <coughs> Philip Law, yeah. Jude Law's father. Nope. They're not related. But retroactively, we should declare him Jude Law's father. If Jude Law that's, already has one, he can have another. He has, he has a second father now. That's yeah, John Philip Law. <laughs> we, should, we should be so lucky. Anyway, this is We've Got Mail. We've, we've dawdled long enough. Uh, this is our podcast where you control the conversation normally uh, here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. Here's how it works. You email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. You can send us questions, anything you want us to discuss with our film critic brains, or just whatever you want us to talk about because we're human beings and we're weird. Uh, or you can talk about something we discussed on a previous podcast, or we sometimes give prompts in the middle of episodes. Hey, let us know if you blah de blah uh, Yeah. Letters at criticallyclaimed.net <laughs> is the email address, but we also have a P.O. box. Mm. Whitney, what is our P.O. Yes. box? Send us an actual physical piece of mail to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641-565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. And uh, until the day comes when we get so much physical mail that we cannot handle it, mm. we will always begin with whatever is in the P.O. box. And today we have a letter. We do. We got actually got a physical letter. Um, it's uh, come came with a nice like computer printed mm. envelope. Looks very fancy. Yeah, it's uh, but it's like but it's it's like, it looks like we're about to be invited like a, to a, a wedding. Cur- cursive font. Ooh, maybe are maybe this is a wedding invitation. Ooh, I love weddings. Uh, so yeah, I get to hear me crinkle yes. things on the mic. Don't, don't overdo it. Uh, what are you talking about? I'm always going to overdo it. Okay. Well, oh gosh, there's like several things. Oh my! Oh, there is an invitation in here. What? Um, it it is a wedding invitation. No. Yeah, you're. It is. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm. I, I swear I didn't open it at a time. I had no idea. Yeah, uh, I'm going to read the the card. It came. Uh, there's a little uh, Ooh, note card, okay. paper clip to it. Um, sincerely, Sam and Jade. Uh, dear Bibbs and Whitney. I've been a longtime listener of the show and love all the all the shows you produce. Uh, you have given me many suggestions of movies and shows that are now staples of my collection. Oh, thank you. My future wife is not a movie lover, but has grown to know you both from me, forcing her to listen to the podcast on long drives. Because you guys uh, 
have been such a big impact on my life. We want you to join us at one of the biggest days of our lives. Keep up the great work and use this as a reason to finally take a vacation. Uh, sincerely, Sam and Jade. Yeah, oh my uh, God, that's such a, that's such a lovely thought. Sam and Jade fun. are getting married uh, in the state of Illinois. Okay. Uh, uh, in in mid April. In mid April. Well, listen. Yeah. Uh, may I take a look? Yeah, yeah absolutely. This is, this is wow. This is this is a first. We, we haven't gotten a wedding invitation. Never had before, a wedding so invitation yeah. before. We had a lot of wonderful people reach out to us in wonderful ways, but this mm. is an absolute first. Um, I honestly don't know if this is practical for either of us, <laughs> but it is That's... a wonderful thought, and I will think about it. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> that that is. Uh, uh, it, it it. That's also the. The day of uh, uh, an important birthday in my life. So, oh my god! Actually, yes, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you have a very close family member whose birthday is on the fifteenth. Yeah, and I, yeah, I appreciate that. It's also tax day, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, although maybe it's on a weekend this year, I don't know. But you know what? That's good. You know, you, 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 you want to celebrate. You'll that never, that's for, over. you'll never forget your anniversary if you get married on tax that's day. That's true. Um, um, I got married, uh, and it was easy for me to remember on ten twenty three. We wanted to be ten ten. Mm-hmm. And because we got married in 2010, so 10, 10, 10, that would have been nice. Nice. Um, 1023, Weird Al Yankovic's birthday. Oh. We did not plan that. No, <laughs> Just no. by complete coincidence. We found that out like yeah. late into the wedding we, we, you, you and me, you, uh, I also got married in the month of October. Mm. Got, another friend of ours got married in the month of October. It's a good, um, it's a good, good month for it. You know, like, the, well, no, it is. It's <laughs> well, like the, the autumn air is crisp yeah, and everything, um, no matter where you are and. Um, I, I remember, uh, th- this is a fashion thing, I remember yeah. going to New York uh, in January, mm. so super chilly, and during New York, you can wear a nice coat, mm. you can wear a lot of layers, you can wear wool mm. suits, there's all these I saw Metropolitan, it's yeah. gorgeous. There's all these wonderful uh, pieces of fashion you can wear around in New York, and yeah. uh, I forgot who said this, but uh, there's you're walk, walking around in New York. Somebody's wearing a suit and they look amazing, gorgeous. And then somebody looks like a trash can threw up, and they look amazing and gorgeous somehow. <laughs> like like somehow that's also fashion. New York just uh, has a vibe. Yeah, uh, just everybody's so well dressed in New York. I've heard it also said that um, in New York it's all about your clothes. In uh, in Los Angeles it's all about like your face and your hair and your skin. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, a little bit. It's a like bit just, of a cliche, but it's true. Uh, and, to compare New York and L.A., uh, yeah. like all those comedians. <laughs> and, uh, we are different. And we you are a little different. We're a little different. Point being, things. I love all those like heavy coats and suits, yeah. but I can't buy those in New York and bring them back to L.A. because it's never cold enough to wear those yeah. things in L.A. I'd just be sweaty and gross. I remember the first time I had to go to the Sundance Film Festival, which is in Utah, mm-hmm. uh, in, in January. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's warmer than others, but usually it's pretty dang cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, only one time that I went did it actually snow while I was there, and it really snowed a lot. Uh, but I remember the first time I went, I was like, oh, crap, I'm actually going to have to buy winter clothes for, like, the first time mm. ever. <laughs> and it's a good thing I went more than once, or that would have been a huge waste of an investment for me, because those those winter clothes are not cheap. It's almost as though, mm. uh, uh, you know, the seasons are part of some kind of capitalist swindle. <laughs> here, here in L.A., you might, might get that impression. Yeah. Until you need, like, a swimsuit in February, and then yeah. it's like, wait a minute, you can't get one. Yeah. Just, you can't get beach towels year-round. It's kind of frustrating. Very frustrating. In any case, that is a really lovely sentiment. Yeah, thank you so thank much. Thank you. That means a lot to us. That, that yeah. Again, I, I seriously don't think And this is a go, lovely invitation. It's as great. The, uh, it's so classy. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's very personalized. When there's going to be a cocktail hour. Oh well, okay. Now I'm going. Uh, <laughs> now listen, I'm 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 dead serious. I will think it over, but it is a matter of practicality. So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, well, but it's if it was if it was closer, I'd probably go. <laughs> like if it was if it was like in like San Diego or something, like oh, shoot, I'll I'll do that. How, how's your car? Could you could you drive to the state of, <laughs> no. state of Illinois from Los Angeles? I don't know if I don't know if I'd be comfortable making that long a trip. All right, that's yeah, a bit of a that's a bit of a job, but um. No, seriously, that's just absolutely lovely, and I will think it out. But um, th- that's right. so so nice of you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Such a nice gesture. My God, you took oh, the time. So you really took the time. <laughs> you did not have to do that. Thank well, you. I have to check out their registry anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's the only physical letter we got. Okay, uh, let's move on to our emails. It's a big one, but yeah, it's yeah, the only huge. One we got. And, and uh, seriously, so seriously, congratulations, congratulations, Mazeltov. It's uh, a really exciting time. I'm really, I'm really happy for both of you. Um, weddings are wonderful, but don't forget, uh, weddings are also hectic. The mm. best advice I got 
uh, when I when I got married, I honestly can't, I, I can't rem- I can't remember who gave me this advice. I think this might have been Josh McCuga actually. Um, weddings are very hectic. Make sure at some point during the day, you and your spouse to be take five to ten minutes aside mm. just to be in the moment. Not doing anything, not solving problems, not whatever. Mm. Just you two together. It's your day. Make sure you form a memory that isn't just at the altar because that could potentially go away in a haze of anxiety. Because, <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So it was really good advice. I'm glad we did that. Uh, at, at my wedding reception, mm-hmm. after my wife and I got married, uh, one of my friend's dads came over to me. And we're sitting at our little bride and groom table and we're having champagne. And just sort of looked me right in the eyes and pointed his finger at me and said, don't fuck up. <laughs> that was the advice I got you know on what? my That's wedding day. Advice. Yeah. That's also incredibly good advice. <laughs> it's like, you know what? That's... It can't be said any more plainly. Yeah. Don't You're getting up. married. Don't fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that entails. <laughs> Uh, anyway, again, congratulations uh, again, million times over. Very, very happy for you. But we do have to move on. Yeah. Uh, here, right. Here's a letter from JB. Hello, JB. Hi, JB. Uh, uh, and this is another top ten list. We got a there's still oh, yeah. a, a bunch of these to work through. Um, hello, Biz and Whitney. I'm joining in with everybody else and sending my year end wrap up list. Oh, this isn't a, a sight, sight and sound. sound. This no, is just a year end. Also um, exciting. I'm including my top 10 new releases in 2022 in no particular order, this being compiled before listening to your top 10. So this is a bit of an old letter. Uh, So hopefully there is some uh, variation providing room for discussion. As is customary, apologies for the length of the email. Uh, Whitney, I'm serious about this. Uh, I'm sure it's fine. I do not regularly write about film, so only include my short thoughts and in some cases brief synopses. I know my editing inclination will agonize over it otherwise. In context, I'm 24, white, non-binary, and has no formal film education. Uh, you know, you know what? Wa- wa- watching a lot of films is easy education. It, well, it's an informal film education, but it's still a film education. I, I often uh, have argued that you know a lot of people are like, "Oh, I don't really know anything about movies," and mm-hmm. I was like, "It when you consider how many movies even just a casual film fan mm-hmm. watches in their lifetime, um, it's a staggering amount. And if you're paying attention to them, uh, well, imagine if you had read that many novels, you would be a very well versed." <laughs> you know, English English major. No. Oh. You know, so I think that is an informal well, education. If, if it took me count. two hours to read a whole novel, then well, I'd have you know eaten through them like well, there's, nobody's there's, business. There's dense yeah. layers of film, you know, you want to... Yeah, I guess but anyway, so. My point uh, is that it's a lot. So don't, 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 don't knock yourself down. All right, top ten new releases, no order. Okay. Uh, Piggy. I still didn't see Piggy. This Spanish-French film is the first of two entries on this list that I was fortunate enough to see at the Cleveland International Film Festival. Mm. A bullied teen witnesses the kidnapping of her bullies by a serial killer and becomes caught between telling the police and her family the truth or providing cover for the person that showed her compassion and intends on enacting revenge on her behalf. The film engages in the nexus of bullying, body shaming, and class dynamics in a way which adaptations of Stephen King's Carrie avoids. You know what? That is a good bitch. <laughs> I, I still haven't seen that movie, but yeah. that's a good pitch for a Serial killer kidnaps good. your bullies, do you tell people? Yeah, like there's and a part where you're like, well, mm. I mean, in so, a horror movie. Yeah. You know, in, not, not in, rea- in reality, I In reality, help like, somebody who's in danger. Yeah, but in a horror movie, them. it's like, well, yeah. I don't know. It is a horror movie. They're probably bad. <laughs> uh, Sirens. Uh, this is the mm. second film I saw at the Cleveland International Film Festival, and the first of two documentaries on my list. Mm. This documentary focuses on the co-founders of the band Slaves to Sirens, which is billed as the first all-female trash metal band in Lebanon. Oh my god, oh, that I, awesome. I gotta see this thing. The major events of the film are familiar to music documentaries uh, in their struggle to get gigs and in internal conflict. What adds to the documentary is the queer relationship between the founders and how the larger societal pressures around sexuality and broader civil, civil unrest strains the relations between the founders and the band. Hmm, sounds really interesting. I'm, I'm gonna see that one. It sounds really good. Um, Hallelujah, Leonard Cohen, A Journey, A Song. Oh, I miss this one, too. Yeah. Um, I, I saw Leonard Cohen, I'm Your Man, the one they made when he was still alive. Oh, yeah. Um, it was pretty good, and they got mm-hmm. like a bunch of artists to cover his songs. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I've learned about Leonard Cohen. Other people cover his songs better than he sings them. <laughs> he's, he's a wonderful songwriter, and when he got older, when he got that sort of... Like, yeah, when he got like kind of deep and uh, speak, uh, the, his, his singing, I think, got better when yeah. he got older. You listen to his early stuff and he's singing like Dance Me to the End of Love. It sounds like he's yawning. It's like, I love Dance Me to the End of Love, but uh-huh. I want to hear somebody else singing. Yeah, fair enough. 
Uh, I might as well include my second documentary on this list. This documentary follows the life and career of Leonard Cohen as it relates to the history and legacy of his most iconic song. Uh, the film shines when examining how variations of the song's verses or orchestration produces raw emotions that resonate with a variety of themes from spirituality to sexuality and is adaptable to the cultural environment of the day. Uh, I remember hearing somewhere that Hallelujah was the most covered pop song. Of, that, of of any, I I, I believe that like, entirely. That one, and I think yeah. maybe one of the Beatles songs. It, it, it was but, also for a time, I think, like the most commonly like uh, needle dropped in movies and television. Like every TV show had an episode that ended with the Hallelujah. With Hallelujah yeah. I will like I have one comment about Hallelujah, a song which I think is fine but overplayed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a radio station here in Los Angeles, 103.5. Memory serves. Uh, and in after Thanksgiving, it becomes the Christmas Carol station. Yeah, they play Christmas music. Not all Christmas carols. They play like modern, you know, mm-hmm. songs, whatever. Um, they tried this year to make Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah part of the Christmas canon. No, bad. <laughs> it's not a Christmas song. <laughs> bad, bad radio station. Not even close. Pay attention to the lyrics. My God! Just because the you were not paying attention, were you? That it's not, it's, it's no. not a Christmas Hallelujah. <laughs> no, it's a very not a Christmas Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I know you like Shrek. Uh, Shrek wasn't a Christmas movie either. So we're moving on. Yeah, are they playing Shrek around Christmas time. No, they're, they're Shrek, Shrek. Shrek had Hallelujah in it. Oh, that's right. A lot of people, I think, in a, of a certain generation, were introduced to that song through Shrek. Um, you know, Shrek was fine when I saw it. Mm. I quickly grew to hate it. And I still hate it. <laughs> It's like sort of this nadir of popular culture. I think it's in a lot one of those of things that, in, at the moment, it seemed cool, and now that you realize what it wrought, yeah, it's not as it's not as fun. Yeah, yeah at the moment, it was a big deal. At the moment, it was fun. At the moment, mm. it was fresh. In for, retrospect, for, for a much. second, it felt that way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, next on uh, Inuo. You saw this. Movie. I love Inuo. Yeah, um, great movie. Speaking of the social and cultural impact of music, <clears throat> I went at a screening of Enter the Dragon when a trader for this film ran and popped huge when I saw Bibb's quote. You're quoted in the oh, preview. Yeah, right? I am. I'm quoted uh, in the preview. This film provided the most complete emotional experience that I have gone through this year. Works like the. Works like this demonstrate how the medium of animation can shatter our assumptions of the limitations of storytelling. Uh, I'm Uh, very proud. I I normally don't, you know, have very strong feelings about when I get quoted. As long as I'm quoted correctly, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, But I was very, very happy for once of the quote that they chose. Okay. Because usually it's like riveting. Yeah, it's like a single word. Yeah, something. And and this one, kudos to them because they made it into like a selling point. Um... The best feudal Japanese hair metal demonic curse serial killer political tragedy rock opera of the year. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, I, 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 like was, that. I was quoted in a commercial for Star Trek Picard. Oh, no shit. Uh, like the new season? Or? No, the first season. Oh, no kidding. Uh, a a show that? which I've shit on relentlessly. You have. Because it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it... There was this big sort of like splash of a bunch of like single word reviews from all these critics, and it said, uh, uh, mysterious Whitney Seibold slash film. It's like, that's not really a qualitative I, I, statement. I, look, I looked back over my review and I did indeed use the word mysterious. I wasn't kind to the show, but yeah, they kind of kind of ripped it out and just got, threw it on there. Got me on a technicality. You know, I did say the word mysterious. Usually they ask, and every once in a while I have to turn them down because I feel like you know, within this is not in the context with which I intended. Yeah, yeah. I intended this to be more negative, and mm. you're making it sound better than it is. And I appreciate the effort, but I'm not going to let you do it. Um, and I'm still mad about being quoted uh, for a Midsommar. You're mad about being quoted for well, Midsommar. I, I mean, my, my name is on the Blu-ray box. You yeah, that's cool, Midsommar, right? it's on the back. And, uh, I mean, yours is on Frozen, so your your name has been seen by more people. But, oh, yeah, um, that's that's done me a world of good. Everyone's like, well, who is this <laughs> look you insightful John? I never would have seen Frozen if this person hadn't have given it a favorable well, I, review. I, I looked on the back, and I saw that name, and I just knew it, that I Frozen was good. I that's weird. It's weird. Um, I'm in your house. But, if you own it on Blu-ray, I, you know, I'm in your house right now. In this house. <laughs> oh, in, God. In this house. Stop that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Freaking me out. Um, no, on, on the back of Midsommar, it says, uh, the, the genre has found a new master in filmmaker Ari Aster. <laughs> and they, they like lined it up in such a <laughs> so way that I was like trying to do a little couplet. 
And it's so embarrassing. Oh, I, I, I didn't it, even though. realize that I had done that. Of course that you it's did. got like the meter and the rhyme. Uh, because so. prob- there's probably more to the sentence than that. Yeah. And so yeah. It didn't, but like, honestly, honestly, uh, imagine you're a publicist and you found that. Uh, yeah. Because you're and, totally using that. You yeah, have to. And, and yeah, they lined it up as if I was writing a poem. Like, okay. I, I would, anyway, uh, I'll, I'll continue with the same sorry, email. Sorry, um, we digress. Next on the list is RRR. Um, yeah. Eventually, I'll run out of segues, but we are discussing films that challenge American presumptions of films, and there's no reason why RRR shouldn't be at the center of that discussion. My new favorite genre is anti-colonialist epics of which 2022 produced at least three that I saw. Hmm. There was RRR, there was The Woman King, yep. and there was Kira and the Jinn. That's not a film I know. Yeah. Technic- uh, I mean, it, it's a little hypocritical, but technically Avatar 2 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's an anti-colonialist film it, as yeah. well. Yeah, the um, intent, anyway. Everyone has talked about this film. It's awesome. It shows that the American marketing apparatus ap- artificially imposes boundaries on what is acceptable in certain types of films. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yay! Uh, one recent trend that has largely been defined as only acceptable in the superhero genre is the concept of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything, everywhere uses the multiverse to explore an intensely personal story of generational conflicts as embodied in the chaos of the multiverse. It's a shame that the film doesn't seem to be gaining the critical attention for its costume design and makeup because yeah. it's just absolutely spectacular. Um, as of this reading, mm-hmm. it's up for a bunch of Academy uh, 11, Awards. which yeah. is... Very respectable. That's a large number of Academy. There's only like, I think like two dozen movies that have ever had more than 11 Academy Award yeah, nominations. Um, but yeah, some of those like, it, it's movies that are set in the present day mm. often have an uphill battle getting nominated for things like Best Costumes, which is unfortunate. I think that's a little short-sighted. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Okay. I'm, no, I'm in no control over that. All right. Um, nope. Yeah. Uh, just when I thought I was out of segues, the anxiety of living up to the expectation of your parents while also defining success for yourself also manifests in nope. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The sibling relationship between Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer's characters feels like one of the most honest depictions of adult siblings. As a fan of alien contact films and creature features, this is immensely an entertaining film. Uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Yeah, it's a give film. Oh, the little shell. I'm terrible. out of segues. Marcel the Shell with Chaos of the Past Year is very refreshing to watch a film that takes you on an emotional journey but does not rely on loud and excitable plot points. Uh, as someone who grew up without cable, I also relate to Marcel's ad- admiration for Leslie Stahl. I, <laughs> I grew up watching the news alongside my parents and became enamored by <coughs> broadcasters conducting interviews. One of my favorites was Barbara Walters. Rest mm, in peace. Yeah. Uh, the Black Phone. Oh, that's uh, a cool one film. of the most exciting and interesting trends in media of the past few years is the increase in stories and influences from the 1970s. It has been a sometime, some time since I have seen a supernatural thriller that stands out on its own as much as The Black Phone. As a sucker for a good visual and a lover of a slasher film, I love a good mask. And The Grabbers is probably the most iconic original mask of the past decade. It's like... It's like that two-part thing, or it's yeah. over his eyes, or it's over his mouth. Yeah, like the the uh, and the mouth can change depending on his his mood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't really talk about that much when it came out because I missed it in theater. That movie's great. It's pretty good. It's yeah. a very very good supernatural yeah. slash it, it's got a killer thriller. really elaborate setup. But yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's a weird elevator pitch, mm. but it plays mm. great. Like it's really really well done. I like the movie. Uh, Ethan Hawke is freaking in that film. <laughs> he doesn't like to play villains. He, he said, doesn't, he but he's done it. He's done it several times. He's done it several times. So iconic that it's already being ex- adapted for a different medium. WWE Uncle Howdy character. Mm. Uh, I don't know about uh, the Uncle Howdy character from WWE. And finally, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Yay! I know I said that the top of this list had no order, but I lied. Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris was my favorite film of the year. And because I do not purport myself to have an authoritative voice on anything, I feel comfortable conflating the best with favorite. Uh, I admire Mrs. Harris so much for the way in which her kindness manifests, especially as it relates to class politics. She's congenial with everyone she meets, but... uh, Meets but grows uh, to not allow others to take advantage of her. Well, this letter is plenty long enough. Hope you all have a good new year. Many thanks, JB. Thank you, JB. Uh, I maintain that if they had just done a slight rewrite and turned Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris into Paddington 3, it would be everyone's (laughs) new favorite Paddington movie. It is charming. It is sweet. It is genuinely emotionally satisfying. Mm -hmm. It's not just like escapist and cute. Like it, It earns it. Um, and I'm very, very happy it got an Oscar nomination. It's for Best Costume Design. It makes sense. It's about someone going to buy a Dior dress in the 1950s. Mm. Um, but uh, well-deserved. Yeah. Well-deserved. Yeah. Anyway, wonderful film. Please see it if you have it. It's really just... It's so 
pleasing and it doesn't feel <laughs> false it doesn't feel like it doesn't yeah. earn it it feels like you actually had to go through some effort well, to get to that happiness and that makes it all the sweeter it, it's really sweet uh it i think it's only rated pg and uh I, yeah i can't imagine it being it's, much more it's not that. really hard-edged but at the same time it's a film for adults yeah and that it's about sort of adult concerns and smaller concerns mm-hmm. which uh I, I find it kind of odd that uh entertainment for kids especially here in the united states tends to be very busy. Yeah. It's supposed to be very, like, quick and distracting. Um, they assume every kid is hopped up on sugar. I, I suppose so. Yeah. Not sort of giving kids credit that they can actually, like, sit through sort of they can quiet or enthralling things. Kids can concentrate. Not always, but they can. In fact, even even if you look at things that are still heavily marketed toward kids by the, the Disney Corporation, yeah. uh, you, you watch a clip from, like, Bambi today. Bambi is very slow by modern and, standards. And yeah, it's like slow mellow scenes from this movie and 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 honestly i'm I'm so glad people still watch it uh because they don't watch all older movies and mm. i think animation gets a bit more of a pass for a lot of people um but i wasn't I, I honestly think that even though it is a film about like sort of adult concerns because it is such a sweet underdog story i think kids can appreciate it too i saw the and uh uh not in who, who, who was Murder, She Wrote? Angela Lansbury? Angela Lansbury. I want to call her Angelica Lansbury. I knew that was wrong. <laughs> Angela Lansbury. I don't know how I did that. Uh, Angela Lansbury did a TV movie version of Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. But it was called Mrs. Heiress Goes to Paris. Because mm-hmm. it's an accent. Um, that was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I used to watch it with my mom all the time. We, used to, we taped it off of TV. It was great. Nice. Um, so yeah, give kids credit. I, I, think it, I think a lot of kids would really enjoy that movie. Yeah. Um, I did. So and I, th- and I think if I saw the new one as a kid, I'd be endlessly charmed by it. Hmm. Um, so great picks, great picks. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Uh, here's a letter from Sarah. Hello, Hi, Sarah. Sarah. Um, hey, guys, I just heard your best of the year list, and I remembered that back on the B-Movies podcast oh. days, you used to do a worst of the year list, and that you have stopped doing that. Any reason in particular? I really enjoyed when you did it. I hoped you might bring it back. Thanks for all that you do, Sarah. Um, we've talked about this not that long ago, actually. Mm. Um, there has been a bit of a movement in the film criticism community. Mm, uh, to s- and on film Twitter community. Well, I, but I've noticed a lot of film critics are following it. Yeah. Uh, and and we are not immune to that, and it's informed one of the reasons why we do it. Um, that at the end of the year, a worst of list is considered uh, poor form. Mm. You know, it's uh, it's an excuse to do some cheap shots right at the end of the year. Mm. Uh, the Razzie nominations recently were announced, and as always, cheap shots abound. Yeah, it's the, the lousy, low hanging fruit. And- However, you and I have often maintained that it's all a matter of tone. Mm-hmm. And we, when we call a film bad, and when we hearken back to how bad we thought it was, we're not just saying, this movie sucks, yeah, we're better than it. We're trying to explain why this movie is yeah, not working, think, and, um, what that, and what that means, and why that's something we need to avoid in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have a problem with doing a worst of list. But there hasn't seemed to be a lot of call for it. Well, we and also we we get busy. We uh, there's actually just other things we need to be focusing on, and yeah. you know, the best of the film just was more important to us. That's uh, I feel so, like that's required. I feel like that's the, the, yeah, every critic uh, should be doing that. But um, I, uh, so yeah, so with other things going on, and mm-hmm. with all of these other reasons why there's not a lot of clamor for it, it feels like something we can skip. Yeah, I I support the idea. Yeah. I like the idea of a worst of the film, uh, worst films of the year lists. Mm. I'm not one of those people who, uh, <coughs> who, uh, and, and this is the phrase that bugs the hell out of me. Tries to stay away from negativity. No, that's like, not our job. No, we're we're critics. If you hate a film, say so. It's it's uh, it's, it's not about being positive yeah. or negative. It's about being honest about how you feel and yeah, why um, you feel that way. And and a, a lot of people will say, well, I don't see the films I don't want to see. Well, we don't have that luxury as critics. Well, you don't Sometimes know you're going to love it until you see it. That's exactly. The other thing. Yeah. I don't buy that at all. It's like, well, also, you know, it, what if you go to see a movie and it really disappoints you? What if you think you're going to love it and it just, like, really, really lets you down? What if you're really looking forward to Morbius and it lets you down? Yeah. Um, 
so the idea of uh, a responding to something honestly, uh, if you had a negative reaction to it, is completely legit. Yeah. Uh, even if it made you angry or offended you, say that. Yeah, you don't uh, have to. Don't make it personal. But you, it's trying to evoke an emotion, and yeah. if you don't like the emotion it evoked, if you mm. if it made you angry at the movie, mm. that's fair. S- say fuck that movie. That's that's a job. That's, that's a legitimate response. That's the job. Uh, and. Uh, the, another argument that I find really galling is uh, mm. I've seen heard people say, "Oh, it, it's it, it's so hard to make a movie mm. that you shouldn't you should be nice to every movie uh-huh. because they're so difficult to make." I know they're difficult to make. Everything is uh, difficult. Er, everything's difficult to make, and if you m- make something badly that affects me negatively, uh-huh. I, it, I don't care how hard you worked I, on it. You did something bad. I, I reject that outright. Yeah, I do. The, it, it, you, it, and it, you had a, a really wonderful metaphor where uh, you said it's uh, if you hire a plumber <laughs> and they work really really hard, but there's still leaks in your apartment, you're going to give them a bad review. That's yeah. still, that still sucks. Yeah, like, again, it is hard to do that job. I'm not, mm. no disrespect whatsoever to the task of doing it. I know everyone tried, but that doesn't necessarily mean the end result is good. Mm. Um, you can, there's a line in, in Star Trek, you can make all the right moves and still not, and still, and not still succeed. lose. Yeah. And still lose. It is possible. You put all, uh, Bruce Campbell had a bit about uh, uh, what happens when you get all of these incredible actors who everyone loves, this director who's done nothing but hits, a producer who's done nothing but hits, and basing it on a book from the guy who wrote Jurassic Park. Sounds like a hit, right? Mm. I'm sure they all worked really, really hard, but they still made Congo. <laughs> you know, like, you, you don't have a lot of control over it. Sometimes mm. it just turns out bad. Um, on that mm. note, and uh, this is just going to be... It's not entirely off the top of my head because I have a, a, a list here. Uh-huh. If I had done a worst of the year list... I'll okay. give you a few films that would have definitely ended up on it. Mm. Uh, possibly number one, Blonde. Uh, <laughs> just one of the cruelest, most mean-spirited yeah. hit piece biopics I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, let's see here. Um, yeah, the, the, our, our reasons for disliking Blonde are, are laid out explicitly yeah. in the episode where we reviewed uh, it. The Gray Man may be the like the least interesting blockbuster ever produced. Yeah, it's right up there with Red Notice. It's just, um, it's barely a film as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Uh, the greatest beer run ever is extremely misguided, uh, and I didn't care for it. And well, you, you can hear my review if you want to go more details. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion is actually largely incompetent in a way that is weird on that scale. Yeah. Uh, it's just... <laughs> the last Jurassic Park was so bad. It's not a good film. And, and not... And not just be. This is another reason. The, the popular yeah. reason is that uh, it, it's called Jurassic World. It's about dinosaurs running over the mm-hmm. uh, running over the globe. There's not enough of that in the movie. Right. That's a that's a legitimate complaint. That's and also, con- the the focus on the genetically engineered locust as yeah. being sort of the central well, plot point is also a little odd. And I think it's worth uh, noting that it is uh, it is not it is our job to review the movie that we got. And mm-hmm. I think it's a fair complaint to say, but I wanted to see all the dinosaurs around the world. Yeah. That's kind of what you promised at the end of the last movie yeah. but the movie we got also sucks it's yeah it's not just disappointing <laughs> it's not it's not it's in it's addition the, to that it yeah, sucks I, I almost would have applauded if you'd pulled the rug out from under mm. us and given us something really really weird that was also still good but you didn't it was mm. really really bad um let's see here i really didn't care for alex garland's men um interesting idea i think, really? I think yeah it, i did not care like for the, it like worst of the film where's the, the year i honestly film. probably would have cracked the top 10 i think oh, it's wow, extremely right. poorly put together uh, Robert Zemeckis's Pinocchio is uh, just yeah, a disaster. That would have been on my list too. Like a total disaster. Um, Thor: Love and Thunder is another like impressively poorly put together major uh, blockbuster. I, I, that that one, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, as well as Black Adam, were two like super high profile superhero yeah. films that felt like they weren't finished. Yeah, like they were really rushing through something in both of those cases. Black Adam, especially. Oh yeah, I've I haven't seen a film that poorly edited, mm. uh, like a major studio blockbuster that has was that poorly edited in a long time. Like there are trauma oh, movies that are better I, edited than that. I, I I I think Thor: Love and Thunder is worse than Black. I think Black Adam is like mildly competent. Oh, I would not. Gosh. I would not go that far with Thor: Love and Thunder. I don't think it works. Um, and then uh, the other one that's probably a competitor for my number one spot would be The Whale, yeah. which we talked about <laughs> yeah, in great man. detail about why that's a pretty yeah. reprehensible film. It's trying right. to do something good, but I think it does yeah. something very bad. Let's see, well, um, I'll try to think of, of things you didn't mention because I hate. I also hated Pinocchio. I think that yeah, one's really that's, terrible. That's a very, that's a very um, bad film. There was that remake of Firestarter, which is completely, oh, yeah. uh, completely forgettable. That, that um, is just it, and, and 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 the Razzies fucked up because they. They nominated the little girl for worst actress. That movie is not her fault, and also she's a kid. You're gonna like really single her out for for derision. What a dick mm. move! 
The movie does suck, though. Yeah. It, it's not her fault, but the movie no, is very bad. Her, her, her performance is fine. She's fine. Zac Efron's fine. The whole movie is just... Like, it's it's just, all about mythology, and it's yeah. badly put together, and uh, I don't very care about badly the characters. Edited. Like, the yeah. last act of the movie is just... The Firestarter walking through empty hallways while characters we've never met before walk in and go, oh, it's you. And then she mm. makes them blow up for a while. And I'm like, I haven't feel nothing here. <laughs> what are we doing? Let's see, um, uh, one of my least favorite films of last year was called The Bubble. Oh, the, I didn't the see Judd that The Judd Apatow one. film, yeah. which was this like uh, COVID spoof. And it's just completely reprehensible. Yeah. Uh, the, it's making fun of the wrong things. Uh, it's showing just sort of how uh, horrible and shallow these people are, and we're supposed to kind of laugh with it and recognize it when really they're just shallow and horrible and we just hate them. Uh, You talked about The Gray Man, another one I saw this year that is like super slick, big-budget fantasy picture that just didn't register at all as Slumberland. Oh, yeah. It was an adaptation of the Little Nemo comics. Oh, speaking of that, uh, I forgot it came out. Uh, There was that Fantastic Beasts movie. That effectively killed the franchise. It's oh, a Dumbledore. That's a stinker as well. Mm. That's a really bad movie, actually. There's a couple of like bits in it I liked, but like, okay, there's a crustacean dancing. You can put that in any movie, mm. and I'd like that. Other than the rest of it's just junk. Yeah, blonde blonde was pretty gross. Um, yeah, a lot of people are pointing to the 355, which came out back in uh, like a year ago, January. I think it's just mediocre. Uh, yeah, it's just sort of plain. Like it, it, it's harmless. You it, know? Well, it's it's sort of a waste of a good cast. It so is. They, they got together these really great actresses, and they just had them do completely forgettable. Like spy the, that, stuff. that should not have been have been just kind of bland. Like that's a mistake. But I, the movie itself isn't painful yeah. or anything. Yeah. Um, what else did I see that was just... I'm trying I, to think here. I'm, I'm not going to target Morbius. Like, it was a popular it's, one, again, but... It's, uh, mediocre. It's, yeah, it's just, just sort of mediocre. just sort of bad. It's yeah. not... not um, I, I kind of wanted it to be a, a bigger disaster, quite frankly. It would have been more fun it, if it, it was. Wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really fun to watch. It's just sort of a bad flick. Yeah, just sort of generic meh. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple other movies that are, like, small enough I probably wouldn't have gone out of my way to uh, be angry at them. Like, mm-hmm. the Netflix animated Marmaduke. Which is legitimately very bad, but yeah. no one even saw the damn thing. It barely came out. Like, not really making much of a point to say it didn't mm-hmm. turn out very well. Uh, it's it's really frustrating because uh, a lot of people who are, uh, you know, the, the instinct to be contrarian is always there. And put uh-huh. a very putting a very very popular movie on your list of the worst is like a little bit of a prod. I think I think uh, here's and, the deal. Even if it's what you would want to do, mm. you know you're doing it. Yeah, you know that. Like I want a movie, a movie I thought about putting on my worst of list, and I was like, I'm looking at the other films here. It wouldn't have cracked the top ten, even though I didn't like it. But I thought about Babylon, which is oh, a movie I know uh, you really liked. I, I, I like Babylon. Yeah, I, I think it's fine. There's a few scenes I like in it, but I didn't care for the movie. I don't think it works, but. Um, but but I think you you do that if you're trying to really make a point. Mm. You actually think like you know I know everyone liked this movie, but I genuinely think we need to talk about this. You can't just put it on there to be a contrarian. You have to have a good point. Yeah. Oh wait, there. Oh wait, Ooh. when was Space Jam? That was that was twenty. That was that was yeah. that was twenty twenty one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll count it for this year too, just because it's still, it's quite bad. It's, it's still, still wrong. It's still bad. You yeah. could if you watch it in twenty twenty two. It's one of the worst movies of twenty twenty two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's <coughs> there's a, a sample though. of some of the worst films of twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um, so. That, that's sort of a condensed version of what we would have done. Yeah, and again, um, we, we've written about a lot yeah. of these. We've done podcasts about most of them. Uh, they're all available. Yeah, I, I, I keep hearing all of these arguments in favor of Blonde, and I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's it's like a three hours of misery, but yeah. so it's not something I'm compelled to sort of sit through again. But, I appreciate, and, and I like movies that are three hours of misery. Don't I, get me wrong. I'm a yeah. big fan of those sorts of things. Yeah, um, but are they but, being irresponsible about real person's yeah, it's, life it's, is the question. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but you know I've heard a lot of people who really really love Blonde, so maybe that's something I'm missing the point. B- Blonde on. is a I movie feel like... where in pieces I can appreciate. Like the cinematography is good. Yeah, it's and, just on, in service uh, of what. Anna de Armas you know? has good performance, yeah, uh, but um, in service of what? Mm. You know, like, there there's some really interesting kind of because like, it depicts Marilyn's life as being this kind of walking nightmare. There's a lot yeah. of weird nightmare images that sort of go in. Uh, there's a scene where she's like walking through a crowd, and all of the people's like faces are like warping and distending. Yeah. It's like that, that's kind of a cool shot. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's all it, it, it's almost like trying to insult Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, uh, trying trying to uh, 
put her through more misery than she actually went through and ignoring yeah. some of the, the po- more positive aspects of her real life. Yeah, and, and people are like, but it appreciates that mm. she's a great actress. Yeah, mm. but only insofar as it makes her a martyr. Yeah. It's yeah. not actually, like, enjoying or celebrating any mm. part of her life that could have been enjoyed or celebrated. It sees no value in that. Mm. It's it's kind of the polar opposite of Elvis. Which, which does, yeah, it's which a, is, ignores a lot of Elvis's life, but in favor of the positive stuff. Yeah, like, it, or, ends, or, you know, it ends the, sadly because his life yeah. ended sadly, but, like, but a lot he, of stuff in the middle his, that wasn't great. Even his downfall is, like, really kind of gloss, glossy. It's like he's... Yeah, thrown in the back. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm sneaking one girl out of my hotel. It's like, mm, the one. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Nick, are you going to give yeah. him a pill? Oh, really, one pill? <laughs> yeah. At no point does anyone ask, hey, how old is Priscilla? Nope. <laughs> Has never brought up. Uh, no, they bring it up. Did they really? They say like you need to, so, like one of the, the the other soldiers says you need to get her back in home in time for bed. You know, so, like she oh, has a okay, bedtime, something along those lines. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so great, but which is the more irresponsible one? We like Elvis. Elvis is up for best picture. Yeah. Because that celebrates what we like about Elvis. Yeah. Blonde is not up for best picture because that kind of tamps down what we like about uh, Marilyn Monroe. They're Elvis is equally. A mo- True to life. Elvis is a movie you see about Elvis if you're interested in Elvis. Yeah. Marilyn is a movie you see about well, Marilyn Blonde, Monroe. Blonde. Sorry, Blonde is a movie you see about Marilyn Monroe if you don't like her. Yeah. And I don't think that's great. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you do like her, I can't imagine watching this movie and going, yeah. <laughs> like, even, even if you enjoy, you know, sad mm. films. Yeah. And I like sad films, I but really yeah. Do. I do. I can. There's, there's sad stories to tell. I just, I don't think that movie tells one in a responsible mm. way. And it, and it frames her whole life as something that is just nothing but gross. It allows other people's perceptions of Marilyn uh, and the people who have the shittiest perceptions of Marilyn mm. uh, to dictate her story yeah. for posterity, which, which pisses me off. Um, well, I, I wouldn't it, say it's for posterity. I but think yeah. the movie is part of posterity, and even mm-hmm. you can say it's not a biopic all you want. Uh, you didn't change the name or nothing. People are mm-hmm. going to watch this and think it's a biopic. Right. I think that's that's irresponsible. So right. anyway, I, um, I, I still hate it. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just you know I'm tr- trying to find a way to give it the benefit because I've read some things that are mm-hmm. having me reconsider it a little bit. Well, but, that's um, fair, and maybe you, maybe you uh, can come around to it, but that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. sometimes I see the point you're making. I just disagree with it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Uh, is that your pick for the worst of the year? Is that probably is, is it's it blonde? blonde or the whale? Blonde or the whale? Blonde or the whale are, are are in contention probably. They're not the most like incompetent movies, but they're the most like they're, mi- they're, they're both they're, misguided. They're both misguided yeah. in ways that I think we really should learn from. Yeah, and yeah. that they are movies that are ostensibly trying to do something of value, mm. something that is uh, break- sensitive in some way, and managed to whiff it so hard. Yeah, yeah. And I think you really should pay attention, mm-hmm. because I don't think that's what you should go for. Um, some people liked him. I disagree with all those people. <laughs> all those people, I disagree with them. I've read, I've read the arguments. Uh, I appreciate where you're coming from. Sometimes they come from a very personal place. Fair enough. I, uh, can, to, I can't talk about that. To, to my credit, I'm looking over some like be- worst of the year lists, yeah. uh, other publications, just to remind myself of the yeah. titles. And uh, Babylon isn't on many of them. Yeah. So I'm vindicated. <laughs> it's not one of the worst. Yeah, of all the, of the thousand movies that came out, I didn't make a lot of bottom ten lists. Anyway, I wouldn't have made mine either. It would have been my bottom 20. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. It's only should, in your bottom 20. We should move on. All right. Uh, here's a letter from Cody. Hello, Cody. Hi, Cody. Uh, hello, W Squared. I hope you're doing great. You're recording a podcast. I, we, you're doing great. I, I like recording uh, podcasts. One of my goals in the new year is to watch more classic movies. Yeah. I started this off by watching 12 Angry Men, Ooh. and I absolutely loved it. I was just hoping I could get some more recommendations similar to this movie mm. to help me on my journey. Thank you. And have a great 2023. Uh, Cody. Uh, that's interesting because 12 Angry Men is a movie that can be... You can look at it a lot of different ways. Mm. Similar to 12 Angry Men in what way? In that they are great talky dramas. Uh, movies that are about America and the legal system. Movies that are sort of condensed single location pot boilers. Uh, movies that just happen to have a lot of great performances. Mm. Uh, you can look at it a bunch of different ways. Um, I'm trying to think. Hmm. Uh, well, if, if you're thinking of like... Uh, I always like to recommend 12 Angry Men to, uh, like, younger people, like junior high school kids. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it's mm-hmm. a, a, one of those great, uh, like, movies from the 1950s 
that it still plays today. Like it's still, yeah. you don't need to have uh, knowledge of where the industry was mm. or like the films to either side of it to understand its context a little bit. If it this, just plays straight the way it is. If this movie, uh, some movies, if they were made today would look mm. very, very different. Yeah. This one would pretty much look like this. Yeah. So, so uh, it still plays very well. Uh, yeah. I feel like uh, 12, Angry, 12 Angry Men is a good sort of, mm-hmm. I used to call them gateway films for I, y- younger viewers. I think it's a fair point. Uh, it is certainly one I would consider. If you're looking for like a good legal thriller, like mm. along the lines of 12 Angry Men, I would like to recommend Otto Preminger's uh, Anatomy of a Murder, oh. uh, which is uh, Jimmy Stewart uh, sort of inventing Matlock before your very eyes. Like, yeah, I'm just a simple country lawyer shtick. Yeah. Started with this movie. And uh, it's... He has to try a murder case. Mm. And it's... Uh, I think it's Ben Gazzara has murdered uh, the lover of his wife. His okay. wife was cheating on him with an, an, another man. But uh, there's some debate as to whether or not it was sexual assault. Mm. And this is one of the earliest films mm. I've scene to address things like sexual assault to use a like a directly. word directly yeah, yeah like yeah. in dialogue uh, to use words like panties in dialogue and mm-hmm. like have it be part of a, a criminal case uh, it's it's a it's a bit long uh as criminal uh stories go this is something that you might be able to predict but this is one of the films that first did it yeah so yeah definitely try uh, anatomy of a murder uh if you liked 12 angry men um i will actually um uh, uh, I'm going to recommend, uh, you know, uh, 12 Ring of Men is a movie about people sort of talking about morality, talking about mm-hmm. uh, 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 crime, talking about their stances on things. So I'm going to recommend, um, and I think it's a real easy, like, sort of fallback position mm-hmm. to recommend Hitchcock because Hitchcock kind of invented the thriller as we currently know it. Um, and as a result, he's also typically seen as a good gateway filmmaker. A lot of people default to him, but I highly recommend strangers on a train. Mm. It is not one of the ones people talk about all the time. It has, uh, great performances, wonderful villain role. Uh, and it is a great, um, person in turmoil, Mm. person in an impossible position, trying to figure their way out of it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it works really, really well. Um, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing might be a really, really Ooh, good one. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a really, that's a really hype, good, good... tight heist movie. Yeah, everyone's super intelligent. Every uh, It's another. It's a crime movie uh, mm-hmm. about a heist at a, ra- at a racetrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they show the heist from different perspectives over and over again, as you can see the whole picture. Yeah. Uh, and uh, boy, is it great. And it's, uh, you know, Kubrick's other films perhaps overshadow it sometimes, but it holds up wonderfully. Well, uh, K- Kubrick's early films uh, were a little less mannered. Yeah. Uh, Spartacus broke Kubrick, or it birthed him, depending on your perspective. Yeah, I but uh, so, yeah, yeah he, tried, he didn't want to make it. He was called in by Kirk Douglas, who he worked with on a film called Paths of Glory, another excellent film. Great movie. That's one of Spielberg's favorite movies. That's another movie you should watch, actually. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, watch Paths of Glory. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was sort of called in. He replaced the director that was working on it. Uh, look up the history of, of Spartacus, because it is just a hugely messy production, and mm. Kubrick reportedly hated it. And... Uh, he didn't consider it his film. He considered yeah. it a work-for-hire thing. Exactly. He did it as a favor. It, like, he's credited, but yeah, just yeah. sort of did it as a favor. After that, his films got uh, a little bit more technical. Um, mm. Like, he's he still made uh, films like Dr. Strangelove. Mm. Uh, but yeah, after Spartacus, it's like, mm, let's let's focus on the filmmaking side of this. Kind of put stories out there on the edge a little bit. Mm. He wanted to push way out of the studio system. So he's making films like Dr. Strangelove and lo- adapting Lolita to the big screen. Yeah. Um, Literally, the ad campaign for Lolita is, how did they make a movie out of Lolita? Yeah. 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 And, and, and honestly, uh, maybe they shouldn't have. But, um, they've made, and they've made two. There's two, two uh, film adaptations of Lolita. Um, Adrian Lins is more faithful to the book. Yeah. Uh, I've read the book. I hate to, to say that, you know, to recommend Lolita, the novel, to people, Vladimir Nabokov's mm. novel. Yeah, it's difficult it's, material. Because it's, it's incredibly difficult material, and... You don't want to sound like you're recommending it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, I, I'm a little bit cautious about recommending it, but uh, it's it's a brilliant work of literature, but it's not savory, and that's the point of the novel. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's Kubrick's early films are going to be good. Uh, mm. Good film. Yeah, Paths of Glory and The Killing are good choices. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, what was the? Um, 
Oh, this is a good one. Uh, what was um, High and Low? High and Low, the Kurosawa film. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. the kidnapping one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, High and Low is a great kidnapping movie uh, directed by Kurt Kurosawa. He's typically more famous in America for his samurai movies, but he made movies of all kinds. Uh, and it's a really, really great story about a rich guy who thinks that his child has been kidnapped and he's ready to pay the ransom. And then he finds out that the kidnapper made a mistake and kidnapped the child of his chauffeur of memory stores. Yeah, it's like one of, one yeah. of his servants. But the servant can't afford the ransom. And now it's up to this guy to decide... Well, I was going to pay the ransom, but it's not my kid anymore, so do I still care? And it's great. Yeah. It's yeah. a great moral quandary kind of thing, and it's very, very intelligent, and it's a great thriller as well. It's not just like a, you know, a comment. Yeah. Like it's a, yeah. just a rock-solid thriller. I love uh, the pieces. Oh, you know what is, mm. is a good one um, that's... Mm. It's almost tame. It was really daring when it came out, and it's almost tame by today's standards. Mm. But uh, Network, another Sydney Lumet film. Oh, that's a little later than uh, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I guess it's nineteen seventies, but um, still classic. It's fair. Yeah, Network is about sort of corruption in TV and uh, how mm. uh, people are uh, instantly commercialized, even if they're they get famous for doing something honest. Uh, Ned Beatty has a really wonderful monologue in the middle. Um, oh, amazing where, where it kind of monologue. like the, kind of puts of, the heart right in the middle. One of, of the that. great movie monologues, as mm. far as I'm concerned. Like just oof, what a great. Yeah, one. it's it's an incredibly cynical movie. Uh, it's it's really really wonderful. Really great characters. But yeah, this idea of putting this outrageous stuff on TV. It's like we've handily outstripped the things in network several times over at this point oh yeah the network seems almost quaint now but at yeah. the time it was the height of cynicism we were like oh god what if tv got this bad and it's gotten so much worse uh, going back so a little bit if, if yeah if, if you're looking for um mm. another good cynical film uh, that's a little bit older try sweet smell of success Ooh. that's a good movie with tony curtis and burt lancaster um mm. uh, yeah, just look it up. Um, oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, oh, 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 a movie that I didn't see until we did our Oscars podcast. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the films that was nominated for Best Picture. It didn't get, it didn't win, and it's kind of mostly forgotten now, but I fell in love with it. Uh, five Star Final. A Five Star Final is pretty good, yeah. Yeah, Edward G. Robinson plays the editor at a newspaper uh, back when they used to put out multiple editions a day, and they're constantly searching for news. And it's basically... The 24-hour news cycle that we say is so horrible and toxic today, mm. but it was already there in the 30s. Yeah. yeah. And it's about <laughs> how they're chasing down a story, they think it's going to be really salacious, and they end up destroying people's lives yeah. in the course of it. And it's it'd be a great double feature with Network, actually. It's really mm. bitter, and it's another great movie about people who um, talk a lot and are good at their jobs and have strong opinions about things, mm. and there's a lot on the line, and... Um, so I don't. Uh, hopefully that uh, that gives you some. Ex- yeah, yeah, we could stay here all day just recommending. We could, but hopefully it gives you a place to start. Yeah. yeah, if you like uh, that particular kind of movie. Yeah, uh, yeah just using Twelve Finger Men as a springboard. Yeah. And then if you again, I think the best thing to do is just sort of follow your bliss in that regard. So, um, you know, watch some of those movies if they sound interesting to you. Uh, you like that actor? See another movie they're in. You like that director? See other stuff they did, and eventually it'll all just unfold gradually and that's kind of the best way to do it if you ask me mm. um, you start with the lists and then just follow what interests you as you go through it mm. yeah uh, I think we'll time for one more oh okay one more um, here's a letter from Shannon hello Shannon hey Shannon hello Bibbs and Whitney uh, I was making lists on Letterboxd hmm. uh, you have a Letterboxd account don't you? Uh, I'm trying to do Letterboxd more this year I started a Letterboxd um, if you want I actually created a list on Letterboxd where I'm ranking every single Best Picture nominee as we go through them. Okay. So I've got like I think 150 Best Picture nominees ranked from best to worst mm. on Letterboxd right now. So feel free to give me a follow. I don't post a lot, but I'm trying to do a little bit better about it. All right. Uh, I don't have a Letterboxd. Yeah. Right? Uh, this, is my, this is it. Yeah. This podcast is, <laughs> yeah. is my Letterboxd. Um, but Shannon says, uh, I was making a list on Letterboxd about uh, the seasons mm. for fun. Summer, fall... And winter really easily uh, easy as I felt they had specific visuals and themes associated with them. Mm. I had no hard rules for why I put a movie on the list. I also think there are plenty uh, of internet lists that consist of top fall movies, top summer movies, or top mm. winter movies. But spring has stumped me for mm. a moment. Yeah, I can see that. I don't think I have seen a top spring movies list. So I wonder if you have any recommendations uh, around the theme of spring. Mm. Some of my picks are below The Wizard of Oz. I can see that. The Spring. Singing in the Rain. Okay. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. Uh, the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Before Sunrise. Yeah. And Eighth Grade. 
right. uh, if you have p- uh, picks for the other seasons that would I uh, you would like to share, please do. Mm-hmm. Hope you're having a lovely day, Shannon. Uh, Spring movies. The first thing that comes to mind is something we just talked about on this podcast, and that's Bambi. Because okay, yeah. because there's a huge oh, yeah, centerpiece. There's, there's the rainstorm and then there's spring immediately yeah. and after. It, yeah. and, it, and we kind of just cut ahead a little bit and we see that you know the animals have grown up. It is spring, the time when a young Bambi's fancies turns to love, that kind of thing. Uh, it works great. Mm. Um, shoot, that's an interesting question actually because you're right. It's not something that people tend to make a big deal out of. That a movie takes place in spring. Just everything's well, verdant and here, we just sort of go about our business. Here's the idea. Everything's verdant and you're not inside watching fucking movies. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're going outside. Um, um, Easter Parade. Yeah, there's plenty of Easter movies. Yeah, not plenty, but that's well, what you might so. think. But not as many good ones anyway. Yeah, I mean, uh, at that point, we just go with Critters 2. Critters 2 is like the <laughs> only a, Easter horror movie I can think of. At least a good one, yeah. Um... I would imagine, like, maybe some of the movies that take place, like, explicitly in nature, like A Bug's mm. Life, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's not my favorite movie, but any stretch of the imagination, mm. but it's pretty good. Um, um, uh, oh, wait. 19, um, 1949, mm. uh, Ozu made a film called Late Spring. Yeah, he did. A couple of years later, in 1956, he made a film called Early Spring. Mm. Watch those movies, because those are Ozu movies, and they're great. I got one. Yep. Field of Dreams. That's a spring movie? Yeah, isn't it? Baseball is played in the springtime. Uh, it's about uh, farmers and their crops growing in the middle of springtime. You know, pe- mm-hmm. the the baseball players, the ghosts of famous baseball players, come out of the, the rows of corn. Mm-hmm. Am I crazy? I think that's. I think that takes place in the spring, right? I, I wouldn't know. Does Field of Dreams <laughs> take place in the spring? Um, there's a really wonderful uh, Korean film by a filmmaker named Kim Ki Duk, who. Um, uh, told a story of like a, it takes place at a monastery. It's about a Buddhist monk, uh, and it's like takes pl- there's all these like beatific shots of the the woods and uh, yeah, it's just sort of um, very cyclical. Mm. And the title is Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring. Kid, mm, uh, yeah, it's just sort of like things keep on going. Um, oh, that's a beautiful movie. Watch that one. I got one. It, it's <clears throat> now it's every season, but it's two springs in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's one more, isn't it? Double, double yeah. trouble. Uh, Disney's Alice in Wonderland. Mm. It's a spring day. She's like old sleepy in the woods, and she sees a rabbit going around doing okay. rabbit things. You know, like in spring, mostly tossed takes, to the flowers. Does it take place in sort of like a nightmare dimension? Where yeah, but she's because like... she's sleeping under a tree in springtime. Yeah, I guess so. I I think it counts. Maybe maybe I'm not. This is another one where it's sort of like, oh, this is the thinker. Mm. You know. Um. Mm. I mean, there's Spring Breakers. I'm not a huge fan of. Oh, Spring Breakers is great. Yeah, it's the the, the star uh, is gross, but the movie's still really good. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. James Franco plays a creep. Yeah. If you think James Franco's a creep, it's just going to help. Right. Arguably, uh, yeah. arguably, yeah. It might, it might not. It might not be your jam. I'm just saying. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I mean, it's but it's, it is. It's Harmony Korean. It's not going to be your jam, regardless. Well, I suppose not. Uh, but yeah, it's about um, some college students who feel that they they need to get money so they can go on. Spring break. Spring break forever, man. <laughs> they want to go to a, a beach and uh, just sort of party there for as long as they possibly can. And spring break ends up stretching way beyond spring break. And yeah. uh, in order to get the money, they rob banks. These are just uh, characters with no morals. <clears throat> and I think it plays into, the, yeah, the sort of ideal of eternal party that the, col- that the college mm. experiences uh, always claim to be. And how... Uh, Devoting yourself to the party is now a goal unto itself. When I think of spring, I think a lot of bonnets. I think a lot of like picnics. You know, people out in the in the in the fields and things. And I'm not sure if it's specifically appropriate, hmm. but my mind travels to some of the better Jane Austen adaptations. Oh, like yeah, Sense like Pride, and Sensibility. Pride, and Pride, Pride yeah. is a good one. Uh, I didn't see the remake, uh, but I saw the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma, and that's a very good movie. Um, oh, yeah, the the uh, Emerald Fennel version um, with uh, uh, Anya Taylor Joy is also really really. Was that good. Emerald Fennel? Um, I don't think that was Emerald Fennel. No, did, um, um, sorry, uh, did promising um, a woman. Yeah, sorry. I, um, not, we'll get it. Not Emerald. It's um, Autumn. Ah. <laughs> Emerald and Autumn. I mix them. Autumn DeWild is the the filmmaker's name. I, I see Autumn, how you did it. Autumn DeWild's version of Emma. I see how uh, you did that. And yeah. they came out. Cl- the same year, so I just no, 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 that that conflated. That was just a pop. That makes perfect sense. Wires crossed totally in my brain. I apologize. I see totally. My, my apologies to both Emerald Fennel and Autumn DeWild. You made very different movies. <laughs> um, Autumn DeWild's Emma is is really terrific. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, um, I, I guess I'll keep thinking about it, but I think that's okay off the top of yeah, my I guess, head. I guess if uh, you're talking about um, baseball, mm. you know, if baseball is spring season, then any baseball yeah, movie League of their own is probably, yeah. my opinion, the gold standard. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Mm. Spring! They, it's coming. It'll happen. <laughs> we'll get there. At the moment, mm. I'm enjoying the weather being kind of Kind of brisk in LA for once, so yeah, it's it's been it's been a, an unseasonably cold spring, so, I know, or it's a, a cold winter, winter time. It's been great. It's been wonderful. I love it so. Um, but anyway, and, and you know what else I love? All these emails and letters. So thank you everybody yeah. for, for writing us. Thank you for inviting us to your wedding. <laughs> Still can't believe that. Um, and thank you everybody for sending in your great questions and your great lists. And it's just always a pleasure to hear from you. So. Mm. Uh, once again, if you want to uh, join us in our uh, podcasting endeavors and have your letter and or email read on the air, very easy to do. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Yeah, send, us, uh, send us a letter to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. If you want other ways to interact with us, you can always head on over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash network. In addition to getting a whole bunch of, uh, of uh, exclusive shows including shows where we talk about classic cinema, shows where we review every single episode of Star Trek. Uh, we also do Discord Hangouts uh, and also Trivia Nights mm-hmm. with our patrons, and you're, we'd love to have you. It's always a lot of fun. Um, also, if you uh, if you like soap, and I know you do, uh, we've had for a while the uh, Salt Cat Soap of the Month Club, patreon.com slash saltcatsoap, where we mail you a new soap every single month to if you're at our top tier. Uh, however, if you don't want to sign up for Soap of the Month Club, but you do want soap, you can head on over to our Ko-Fi store, ko-fi.com slash saltcatsoap. We are selling some of our soaps, and we're very excited that we can now finally sell some internationally. I know we had some people in Canada who were interested in buying soaps, and we weren't able to do it before we were on Etsy, and we weren't able to do it on Patreon, but we can do it through Ko-Fi. So you can head on over and you can check that out. You can also buy autographed novels uh, or uh, novellas uh, from M. Lapis da Silva, uh, my wonderful partner. And uh, you'll be glad you did. They're really good books. So uh, head on over there. Thank you so much. And uh, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And we think you're great. Sincerely, yours, Bibbs and Whitney. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.